Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. So God made the world. And I can't wait to get to heaven to watch God's Discovery Channel screen where he's going to show us exactly how he did it. We're going to finally settle that age-old, you know, is it six literal days or it take forever? Or it'll all be settled and there won't be any fighting. He made it by his power, by his creativity, and mostly by his love. Because the only thing an infinitely beautiful being can do if he is love is to create something that can receive and enjoy his presence. And so he made image bearers. He made humanity. And if only the Bible stopped at the end of Genesis chapter 2. If only it stopped there. Because then things turned sideways. The man and the woman became teenagers and decided they knew better than their father. <laughs> Greg's standard version. Look, it's in the Greek. How does Genesis 4 go? Is it going well? My, my, my Bible scholars who grew up in church, how does Genesis 4 go? Everybody smiling and laughing, having a good time until one brother murders the other? Does it, does it get any better after that? No. No, it doesn't. It gets uglier and uglier and worse and worse until within just a couple of chapters, God says, we're starting over and floods the earth, and starts over. And just to let us know how radically transformed humanity was, we really had a deep change of heart after the flood. The first thing we do is get wasted. Not joking, read it. And what flows immediately after that? It's not much better. Tower of Babel is not far behind. Anybody ever read through Genesis and go, oh my gosh, I cannot read this to my kids yet? (laughs) There's an age at which I'll read this to my children, but right now we're going to let Kids Adventure do a great job teaching this in an age-appropriate way, right? Because I'm not even going to say what the number is, but there is an age where you go, oh, some of these stories are just going to maybe skip past (laughs) Ah, right? Or we truncate it because it's brutal. Does, does God, next book, does God have an exodus because everything's going well or do you have an exodus because things are going terrible? What, who needs an exodus? Slaves. Slaves need an exodus. Leviticus, who needs Laws. Lawbreakers. Yeah, I, so 
And then let me ask you, those of you who read the whole Bible, by the time you get to the end of the prophets, the prophets, kind of that back section, lots of Israel's history and all that, are things going great by then? Are, are humans interacting in a loving, joyful, complete way with their creator and being kind and loving toward each other accordingly? No, the prophets wouldn't have had a job, right? We don't like the prophets because they're, they're downers. How come you keep telling me that I'm doing the wrong thing? Because you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Did anybody like that Jonah walked into town that one day and said, 40 days in your toast, Right? Well, it's kind of a trick question, because by the mercy of God, Nineveh repented. They actually took the bad news and turned toward God, the way that we're supposed to respond to the prophetic message. But Jesus said once, oh, Jerusalem, it just wouldn't be fitting for the prophets to die somewhere else, now would it? Every messenger that God sends, you kill them. Jerusalem, like these are supposed to be the children of God. And every messenger I send, you kill. Wow. Sounds to me like we're going to need Christmas or something. Brothers and sisters and guests online and in the room, Christmas is not a compliment to your ethics or to mine. It's just not. Christmas is an insult in one sense, if we're proud. It's this loud declaration that we need God to step in, right? So if I'm gonna hold on to my own awesomeness, I'm pretty great, I'm a good person. If God judges on a curve, I'm, I think I'll do okay. Christmas is not a compliment, Christmas is a reminder of the day that you drowned in the community swimming pool and you were gone and the lifeguard pulled you out and resuscitated you. If that happened to you on June 27th, would you be thinking about it? Would you remember it every June 27th? Yeah. In fact, you'd think about it more than just June 27th, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because I'm only alive on November 7th because of what happened on June 27th. Every day of my life is infected and affected by my salvation. I would not have been here if it were not for Jesus. <sighs> so thank you, God, for coming for us. Thank you, God, for stepping into brokenness instead of running from it. Thank you, God, for not just judging us from afar. Thank you, God, for becoming a human being so that you could face every trial and temptation that we face. And yet to say no to sin 100% of the time. Thank you, God, for teaching us about your kingdom and how to relate to your Father and how to relate to each other. Thank you, Jesus, for living the life that I should have lived, morally perfect, dying the death I should have died, 
Thank you for swapping your righteousness for my filth. Thank you, Jesus, for raising yourself from death on the third day. Because Christmas is not Christmas without Easter. God, thank you for saving us. These last few weeks, we have talked about how Christmas is completely transformative to those that choose to experience it wholly, completely. That Jesus does not come as a political candidate saying, hey, you should vote for me once. He comes as a king saying, do you want to be a part of my kingdom? It's complete, it's whole, and it's forever. And we've talked about a transformation of relationship to God by Jesus dying in our place, our sins forgiven by faith, and we have, uh, if we want it, we are connected to God the Father, no longer condemned by our own sins. And we've talked about how this naturally affects relationships horizontally with each other. Human beings who have been forgiven an unbelievable amount have to then turn around and be able to give, forgive small amounts. We feel like they're big, but they're small in comparison with what the cross purchased. And then we talked, I'm trying to remember my sermons. What did I preach last week? <laughs> oh, we talked about uh, Jesus coming to make mature disciples out of us, right? We are Jesus followers. Uh, we do not just get saved like it's some kind of a passport to heaven, stamp the thing, and then sit there and watch TV the rest of my life. No, I am following Jesus. That means I'm on my feet. A disciple is on their feet with their eyes locked on their rabbi and following, right? And we teach each other, we help each other follow Jesus. Well, that, that he doesn't just want to transform us into disciples. He doesn't want to just transform our relationship with God. He doesn't want to just transform our relationship with each other. There's something else that he's transforming and he's making us in his own image in this way. Um, he's transforming his church into servants. So those of you that are really roll up your sleeves and get her done, okay, pastor, enough Bible verses. Here we go, another super intense practical, but we're, we're gonna, there's just no denying it. There's just no denying it. Um, so here's the idea for the day. We're gonna get into the text in a second out of Mark 10. Jesus came to transform his disciples into servants. Oh, I don't know how servants got put in there twice. Of God and of people. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he came to transform you into a servant, both of God and of people. We serve. This is not just what we do, this is who we are. And again, if you're exploring faith, I just want you to be able to see from the outside, I want you to know before you decide what you think of Jesus and if you'd like to become a Christian, I want you to know our time and energy and passions are his. And because he's a benevolent God, he doesn't just tell us to serve him, he tells us to serve everyone we could possibly come in contact with. Is that good news for the world? Say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need a copy of God's word, please put a hand up. And a volunteer or two are going to pass out Bibles here. We want to make sure everybody has a copy. Just throw a hand up. Everybody that has a Bible and knows your way around, turn to Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10. If you're receiving the hardback black ones that are being passed out, I forgot to look up the page. So would somebody turn and find Mark 10 real quick and then shout out a page number, please? I forgot. I'm sorry. 839. Oh, I might have put it on the slide. Oh, 840. Mark 10, starting at verse 35. No, I hadn't told you which verse yet. No, you did great. Brownie points for Leslie. I just didn't get it onto my typed sheet here. So page 840 in the hardback black Bible. Everybody else, Mark 10. We're going to pick it up at verse 35. This is our primary and only text for the day. It is just so unbelievably clear. We don't need to jump around the Bible to find tons and tons of support for something that's so obvious. Okay. You guys ready? Okay. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him, meaning Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. If you're new to church, he's telling them they will die as martyrs, okay? Jesus is gonna essentially be martyred and he's telling some of his disciples you're gonna suffer the same fate. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, and you see that? Oh, this is such good pastoral ministry. There's conflict, and so Jesus pretends that there's no conflict. Right? Did that? No? That's not what happened? There's conflict, so Jesus smiles and waits for it to go away. No? Guys, don't. Come on. You know the temptation. You know how easy it is to just pretend for a little while, right? Oh, it's so much easier to just pretend. I mean, in the short term anyway, until it blows up later. So Jesus called them together and said, gosh, that's just so powerful. These are grown men. These are adults. And yet if he says come, they come. Oh, brothers and sisters, you and I think that, you and I really think Jesus is like an author with some cute suggestions or something. I don't know what we think. He calls them and they come. That's what you do if you're a disciple. And he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And if in case you think I'm about to talk about politics, you're wrong. This isn't political. When I tell you to wear a mask and I go to a dinner party not wearing a mask, that's what Jesus is talking about. I don't care what letter's behind your name. That is lording it over the people. The rules do not apply to you, but they do apply to the people, except these guys had Rome, so they had it a thousand times worse. I'm trying not to complain. I'm just saying that's what it is. Okay, 
The, the rules are for you, the rules are not for me. You know in the world that they lord it over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But, ready? So that's a transition, right? Among you it will be different. You know what he didn't say? If you kind of sort of think about it, I suggest a different approach toward leadership amongst my followers. Did Jesus say the word suggest? Did he ever say kind of, sort of, or maybe? It will be different. Okay, Jesus, you have my attention. We know how leadership in the world works. You're saying it's gonna be different. Talk to me. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Didn't see that one coming. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Holy Spirit, teach us your word today for the glory of the Father and the Son. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Huh? Whoa, 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 whoa. The word for, F-O-R in English, what is, what is that for? What's for for? It answers why. It answers why. It's like a because. If you just looked at the famous verse, if you're new to church, 45 is a famous verse. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a famous verse because it's really cool to have Jesus say flat out before the cross, I'm giving up my life. For what? As a ransom for many. There are a ton of people that are captive to sin, and my life as God, I am so valuable that I can swap my own life for billions and billions of souls. Oh my goodness gracious, right? If that's not true, that's the most arrogant statement in the whole world. His life is as valuable as billions and billions of people? It better be true. So the verse is famous on its own, and it should be, but it starts with the word for in English. So the fact that Jesus is going to serve humanity by saving us, he's using it as a rationale for something he says right before. Does that make sense so far? Say yes, right? He told us to do something, and then the rationale is, look, I am more important than anybody here, and I am going to lay my life down to serve everybody around me. So what? What's he saying? You guys have no excuse not to serve one another. That's what he said. Amongst you, it will be different. Let's read it one more time. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. That's the command to Jesus' disciples. Oh my goodness gracious. For you note takers, three things that we're gonna fill in blanks for today. First, Jesus came to earth to serve by saving. He served us by teaching. He served us by living a good example. That's all well and good. But he says right there in 45, um, this is how primarily how I serve the world. By saving. Important theological side note to the Christians. Do you save anybody? Okay, so when you serve, 
you're going to have to find something else to do because the saving part's already done. Jesus took that slot. There's a sign-up sheet for what humanity needs. The first need on the sign-up sheet was, hey, could we get a savior? Jesus wrote his name in blood on that spot. It's filled. So there are other ways to serve the world. Saving the world is not one of those things, right? This is important, right? Paul says what? I sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, but only God brings the growth. God saves people. We share the gospel with anybody who listens. Maybe you're hearing right now for the first time maybe that Jesus went to a cross to wash away your sins. Maybe, you know, we throw that seed out, but I cannot transform your heart. Jesus did though. This was his job. This was his role. And he came as a servant, and the main thing that he did was to save everyone who'd believed by going to a cross for us. I mentioned the idea of a lifeguard earlier. How does a lifeguard serve? Right? So, some important questions. Does the lifeguard oversee the snack bar? Actually, let's go down that rabbit trail for a second. What happens if the lifeguard is busy at the snack bar? Could it, could it go bad? Yeah. Is the lifeguard at the front selling the little $3 passes to let people into the community pool? I hope not. Because the lifeguard serves by, say it, saving. Jesus serves by saving, okay? You never knew of a lifeguard who was so awesome it could pull all of humanity's dead body out of a pool. This is who Jesus is. Second, Jesus expects his disciples to serve. Ah, I love seeing those eyes down and the pins frantically. I just love it. It's great. It's all right. If you're not a Tory learner like me, you're not taking notes. I get it. That's fine. There will be a quiz later. Jesus expects his disciples to serve. Did you hear? Again, I kind of already pointed this out. Amongst you, it might be different. Amongst you, I suggest you take a different approach. Amongst you, maybe you should read some leadership books about being nice. No. Amongst you, it will be different. That's the thought that leads into whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be your servant. You want to be first, you need to be a slave. He expects this. And I've said this ad nauseum, but forgive me for repeating myself in case somebody's new. I just feel like I have to say it. So many of the word you in English, so many of those in the Bible are plural yous. We don't have them. Here in the South, we have y'all. And in Jersey, we have used guys. Most of American English, we just don't have a plural you. And so I, I need you to understand the entire church of Jesus Christ is being spoken to right now. The disciples at the time, they are the body of Christ. Right? They're, amongst you, it will be different. So Christians 100 years after this, amongst you, it will be different. Be the servant of all. Christians 500 years after this, 
be the servant of all. Christians 1,700 years after this, be the servant of all. This is an always kind of a command. We cannot pigeonhole it and say, oh, 2,000 years ago, those 12 guys, they, they were supposed to be servants. This is a plural you. So something fun happened in our last elder meeting. This is a picture of the top of my bookshelf and my way overly ambitious set of books that I'm hoping to read in 2021. Um, that big one there in the middle, I didn't know it was so big when I got, anybody ever purchased something on Amazon? You've like, oh, I've heard about that book, it's good, and you just buy it and you don't think to look, you don't have any, it shows up and you're, that is a bigger book <laughs> than I thought. Um, yeah, that's City of God by St. Augustine, it's 1,100 pages, so that's not gonna probably happen this year. But here's my overly ambitious uh, attempt of, of what my uh, reading will be. So we, the staff, we turn in a continual growth report to the elders every December, and, and we just did that, and um, this, these are the ones I'm hoping to read next year. So here's the deal. I found um, such cool accountability all year long knowing that I was going to be submitting this report, because here's the thing. I, was, I never asked the other staff I asked them what they were reading, and we talk about it in staff, but like, I never asked for something comprehensive. I never asked how much you're reading, and I, and I really just didn't care. I didn't really want to know. I just really knew that Conrad being part-time and me being full-time, if he read more than me, I was gonna be really, really embarrassed when December came. That's, I'm just being honest with you guys. So that kind of not knowing all year long it kept, a, it kept a fire under me, like, keep studying, keep learning, keep growing. Because to lead by example, you want to be out front, right? And it's not easy. It's hard. It's, hopefully, it's a type of serving. Like, does the Church of Jesus Christ here at ARCF get stronger by Greg learning and growing and changing? Or is the church served by Greg staying the exact same and making the same mistakes so many times the elders are pulling their hair out? One sounds better than the other, right? So, Right? Okay, some of it was on marriage and parenting. My poor kids, right? Um, to lead by example is this really fun, attractive, ready for it, air quotes if you're not looking up at me, business principle. I can't tell you the number of business books I've read where they talk about serving the people under you like it's this brand new concept. I'm like, you needed to go to church when you were a kid. Sunday school would have told you this. But people keep, every 10 years or so, there's this big bombshell book in the business world going, you gotta serve. That's what we're supposed to be doing? But Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. We just, we don't know or we haven't been listening. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, we gotta serve. We got to serve. So something's coming up. I shared it briefly in the announcements uh, time, but frankly, by the time I get up here, only half of us are even in the room, so allow me to share it again. Um, on Sunday, January 10, we're going to have some fun, and this is going to be a chance for you to get plugged in, and um, I ask your forgiveness in, in this regard. I grew up in church, and so there are so many things about church life that I assume, and I don't do a good job of saying it out loud, and I need to say it out loud. Um, it is a normal, healthy, beautiful thing for every Christian to have a job, okay? Um, some of you guys know the story of the Queen Mary. Um, 
I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but the Queen Mary before World War II was designed to hold like 600 passengers and 600 crew, something like that, some really small number for a ship that big. Can we agree you're having a really good vacation if there is a crew member for every human, right? (laughs) This is, a McDonald's, this is not, okay? (laughs) When when there's a one-to-one ratio, you're probably having a really good time, okay? Um, And uh, again, I'm probably getting these numbers wrong, but the minute World War II started and the ship was recommissioned, redesigned, all of a sudden it could hold some obscene, I think it held like 13 or 14,000 soldiers on it. It was insane. It was like eight or nine times more dense once it was ready for wartime than for coasting. Brothers and sisters, the church of Jesus Christ is an army. This is not a cruise ship, right? We do not sit here on the deck on the side of the pool waiting to be served. But we are part of something bigger than ourselves where our king is serving by saving, right? You want your Normandy illustration? Fine. We're going to be a part of an invasion of light into the darkness. Everybody in an army has a job. Where are my veterans at? Can you say amen? There's no such thing as an army where somebody just doesn't have an assignment. That doesn't, even, that doesn't make sense. It's a part of the definition of what we are. So I say that to you to say this. If you do not have a job right now, January 10th is going to be a great time to get one. Because right after the service in here, we're going to have some yummy brunch food, and we're going to mingle and socialize, and all the food is going to have to be done, um, served by the person, and and we'll do masks and stuff like that, so you guys aren't all touching the same tongs and all that. But you'll get to walk around with your plate and get yummy food. It'll be awesome. And hear about the different ministries. And again, that crossword puzzle game I told you about earlier, you're not going to be able to get the answers unless you actually talk to the ministry leaders. And I cast a little vision for this last January, but I don't pretend that I can say something once a year and you're all going to remember. So here's what I really, really, really hope for. Here's what I really want out of January 10. Are you ready? Of course I want teams that have volunteer positions open. I want those spots to get filled, of course. But there's something bigger, because I know a bunch of you already serve. A bunch of you are already going you know, I do five different things and they're gonna ask me to join a sixth team. Here's what I want out of January 10th. I want every saint at ARCF to take really, really seriously to know the ministry needs of the various areas, even if you yourself can't fill it. And we're gonna hand out little prayer cards that are gonna go in your Bible. Amen? So I'm gonna say something really aggressive. I usually don't, I usually don't do it this way, but I think it's probably appropriate. We are going to hand out prayer cards that have on there volunteer slots from all the different ministry leaders of the church. And we are going to keep those prayer cards in our Bible. And every time we see them, which is hopefully daily, we are going to ask God to fill those positions. And we are going to keep praying until those positions are filled. Amen? Okay? There are some positions that need to be filled by somebody who's a seasoned Christian. There are other positions that maybe you come to Christ today and you're like, wow, put me to work, all right? There are all kinds of different volunteer positions in a church. We're gonna communicate those well so that we can pray about them and think about who might be a good fit, all right? Why? Because the church of God is not the Queen Mary before World War II. We're the Queen Mary during, okay? Everybody, everybody has a job. 
Jesus did not come just to save you, although he did. He did not come just to transform your relationships with others, although he did. He did not come just to transform you into healthy, replicating disciple, which he did. He came to serve us by going to the cross and showing us that we ourselves must be servants. Christmas exists because of service. God served us by taking on flesh, and he said, it's got to be the same way amongst you. Four. Why? Because even I came to serve. In other places in the Gospels, Jesus says, the servant is not greater than his master. He said, look, the disciples, you guys don't get a free pass on something that I'm willing to do. That's what he's saying. If the rabbi's gonna do it, for sure you guys are gonna do it, amen? So I promise you're gonna have a lot of fun with that crossword puzzle game, and like I said, we're gonna, drive, we're gonna draw five of those crossword puzzles out of a bucket at random, and if you've got the right answers, we're gonna win gift cards. It'll be a blast. It'll be a lot of yummy food that day. Um, let's see, anything else? Come on the 10th, come on the 10th. Come, make sure to come to church on the 10th. Make sure to come to church on January 10th, January 10th, 2021. You should come to church on the 10th. It'll be great. And don't have a large breakfast because there are gonna be a lot of yummies right after the service. Bring your appetite. Third blank for my note takers. Leadership in the kingdom of God is upside down. You hear that already out of Jesus' words? What's your pyramid look like? The CEO or the board or whoever, and then the executive vice presidents are down below that, right? We know what a pyramid looks like, don't we? An org chart. And then the people who are like C-suite management and then the I can just barely pay my bills people. And then at the bottom, right, the people who actually engage with the customer, the no, we really can't pay our bills people. That's how the world does a pyramid. And Jesus comes along, and instead of the whole world serving him, he flips the pyramid upside down and serves the world. That's what the cross is. The cross is taking the org chart and flipping it. I'm going to serve the world because, well, you guys can't save yourselves. It has to be this way. The Father knew it, and that's why the Father sent me. Again, the gospel is so humbling. He had to? Yeah, he had to. And in fact, it's really important that we talk about hell from time to time. The reason hell is forever is that reveals my very poor capacity to pay God back for what I've done. How how bad of a thing did you do if they put you in jail and throw away the key? I must have done something really bad, right? And that's what it is to have a heart that is in constant and consistent rebellion against our creator, Jesus said, I'm gonna have to, God said, the Father said, Jesus, you're gonna have to do it. They can't do it. They can't do it on their own. We're gonna have to do Christmas. We're just gonna have to do Christmas. So let me tell you a story about upside-down leadership. (coughs) A couple months ago, right before the rains were starting to be a threat in the weather, We called everybody together to get some water stain on the playground and to freshen up the bark and to pull weeds. And many of you guys were there. Thank you again for coming that day. And it was a fun peculiarity which later turned into something beautiful as I thought about it. 
my daughter Cabrina and Renault, one of our elders, climbed up into the very tallest point of the play structure to do the stuff probably nobody else wanted to do. <laughs> nobody else wanted to go through that much effort. Uh, but they got up there and they got it done. And then the elders, as we've been talking and doing Bible study right now about what biblical eldership is, we've had a really cool conversation recently and I was able to say, which I, Lord willing, the Lord would give us this, that I hope um, for years to come, I hope that my daughter and um, all of your kids and grandkids, I hope that it's never a question in their mind that the leaders of the church are servants who will dive in and take care of the flock in any imaginable way. And, and we dreamt together just a little bit, and I said, you know, what would it be like, you know, 20 years from now, if my daughter, if your kids, if your grandkids, it was just assumed. So don't raise your hand if the, your former pastor is in the room, but anybody ever been at a church where it was terrifying, or the, where the pastor said, you have to do it because I'm the pastor? Anybody been at one of those churches? Praise God. Well, let me tell you, they're out there, and it's scary, and it's, um, you know, you can't find the financials. If you ask for the financials, <laughs> you'll get a, a, an angry look. Praise God um, that you guys haven't been there. It's such a precious thing to me uh, that our elders, I think, really, really do know who they are and what they are. And we're studying this book, you know, we're studying the scriptures to, to find out even more um, to honor God as best as we possibly can. How cool is it and how upside down is it that the leaders of the church are side by side with an 11-year-old and we're gonna get this thing stained? That's good. Brothers and sisters, that's healthy. That's really good, that's really healthy. We don't just have generals that are you know, sitting off in the distance pointing, you know. This is a small piece of what upside down leadership looks like. And I wasn't planning on saying it, but uh, please be thinking and please be in prayer. Um, come January, we're gonna have to start thinking, I forget if it's one or two, but we're gonna have to be thinking and praying about uh, one or two people to add on to the eldership. Um, and it's, it's critical that we know eldership is not I get to be in charge. It's just not. Um, I, heard, I heard, listened to a pastor years ago who said, the people who say I'm in charge are usually a 21-year-old male. <laughs> Put me in charge of something, and his answer was every time was the same thing. You're in charge of shutting up. <laughs> That's what he actually said to the 21-year-olds. Like, join a group and call me in two years, you know? Show me you can follow Jesus. Show me you can be under authority. And we'll talk later about being in authority, right? That same pastor, um, Lord bless him, he had his faults and, and mistakes as well. Um, he just kept telling all of the, he had a very young church, and he just kept telling the young ladies in the room, like, don't you dare play this game. Don't you let your mother's phone calls uh, change your, your thinking or your behavior. Don't you stoop. Don't you go out being acting a fool on Friday night. You stay single as long as you have to stay single. I am trying to get these young men to grow up. And he would say that to his church. <laughs> Thousands of people. Like, I'm trying to get the young men to grow up. And part of what he said is, if he asks you on a date, take a look at his Bible, and if it's not worn to the threads, don't say yes. 
because he's not, in, he's not under authority yet. A man with a well-worn Bible knows how to be under authority. Christ is my king, he is my Lord. And now that I am under authority, maybe I could be a spiritual leader to a family. That was for free. That wasn't even in the notes. So, ARCF, I want you to, oops. What is going on with the PowerPoint today? I, I really messed something up. I want you to envision with me ARCF as kind of the discussion that the elders had. I want you to dream with me for just a moment. Um, worship team, you guys could go ahead and come up and help us respond to God. That'd be great. This is our, our final thought I want to leave you with. I want you to dream with me what ARCF can be like, can continue to be like, or even how our children and grandchildren will respond to authority if authority is always beautiful, humble service. How will our children respond to authority if, if authority, authority is always serving those under that authority? What would our families look like, those of you who have small ones at home? How do our kids respond if dad views himself as a servant to the household? Even sometimes a servant is managing and saying no to things and creating boundaries, amen? My middle kid is two. I feel like I have to say a no a thousand times a day because I love him, right? How will our grandkids grow up if authority is a, a beautiful thing? It's servanthood first and servanthood last. Why? Because Christmas happened. God invaded earth and amongst other things showed us that we are servants. That we bless each other, we take care of each other. What will our children and grandchildren, what, what will their relationship be to ARCF if we give them a good, consistent diet for the next generation, we give them a consistent diet of disciple group leaders and Sunday school teachers and kids adventure teachers and elders that serve. What kind of fruit do you think we'll get? We're gonna get good fruit, brothers and sisters. We are. God's already done so much in our heart and life um, I think he did a whole ton of it under Pastor Rhodes, for which I'm unbelievably grateful. And we're gonna keep pressing on because God's not done with us. We're gonna keep pressing in. Anybody here a perfect servant? Anybody? Okay, notice I didn't raise my hand. Nope, okay. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna respond to God's word. He has something for each person in this room. Whether we need to admit to ourselves for the first time, oh my goodness gracious, Jesus is not just a college professor. He came and he served me by going to a cross. I wanna give him my all. If you realize that for the first time, you respond by today saying, okay, Jesus, I'm yours, all of me. I'm yours, sign me up. Those of us who are Christians, we might be asking ourselves, you know what, I, I I left that ministry team and it's been a little while. I got tired, I got burnt out or whatever. I really need to get back on the horse. Maybe you, some of you need to respond in some other way that the Holy Spirit has said to you through the text today. Um, however you want to respond, go for it. Whatever is, is obedience to Christ. So we're gonna sing a song. Sing the song if you'd like.
pray if you'd like to pray. Write down something in your notes if God has spoken to you or whisper to your friend uh, or text somebody in your disciple group, this is what God said to me. Would you pray for me? We're gonna respond to God because to walk out and not respond is a type of response, isn't it? Amen? All right, let's enjoy God for a few moments together. Jesus, I need
grace but heart sing out your praise forever remember love remember mercy Christ before me Christ behind me your loving kindness has never failed me Christ before things before you go. Okay. Number one, ah, three. All the postcards are not gone yet, so that needs to happen. So come up and grab one here as, as we dismiss. Give them to neighbors, friends, family. Tell them that they are loved by God. Um, we're still doing sign-ups all month long, and I did not hear from anybody this week, brothers and sisters uh, online, I did not hear anybody about uh, demand for a Zoom group, Okay. So if you want a Zoom group to happen, speak now or forever hold your peace. We can make that happen. We can make multiple Zoom groups happen. Just need to know that there's demand. Uh, the live groups are all on the sign-up sheets in the back. Last, Advent is all about the anticipation for the day when we light the Christ candle, right? Just can't wait for Jesus to come. And that's gonna happen here Thursday night at six o'clock for our candlelight service. Does that sound like a good time? Yeah, bring your family. Even your uncle who's going to be grumpy about it. Bring him. I love you guys. Merry Christmas.